<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personal Podcast, where we get everything wrong in baseball. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. This is the Swing and the Miss edition. Ooh, nice. Thanks. Came up with it. Right, right as I was saying it, which is probably why I butchered. I think I said swing and the miss, That's okay. which sounds like um, a really great title for a Hallmark Christmas movie. You could somehow work that into some oh, no. baseball themed oh, no. swinger. <laughs> no, no polyamorous <laughs> convention. This is a PG podcast. Uh, no, I was, th- I was thinking like baseball related swing and the miss. Like oh, the they meet, miss the they lady. Meet, yeah. Yeah. They meet at a, <laughs> I guess it can't be Christmas. Uh, they could come up with something. Thanksgiving. No, that's, that's too late. Even, that's even postseason late. baseball's over. Maybe it's just a baseball player. Who's, uh, who's home for Tommy John surgery. And then he meets the girl that he's never noticed before. And they hit it off. But the girl has some trouble because she owes the bank money or her bakery is going to shut down. <laughs> and that is the kind of podcast you guys are in for tonight. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. <laughs> We're going to talk about baseball. We're going to talk about the Super Regionals this past weekend and how that did not work out. And if you listen to our preview, how just very wrong we were, which we'll, we'll rehash all of that. Yeah, we'll get into it. Whatever. Uh, talk a little bit about just our final thoughts on the season. Uh, talk about the team, uh, what's next, some postseason accolades, um, some basketball news. We skipped last Ooh. week, but now we've got more news. Um, and then wrap up with what we learned. I learned something. I learned something that involves an experimental steak rub that I will Oh no. Not use again. That's, that's what I learned. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to it. Another mistake. If you will, I keep having these Spencer. That's it's unfortunate, but I like, I really like the pun though. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I should just keep making bad steak to keep using the good pun. <laughs> Another swing and a mistake. <laughs> Here we go. All right. To follow us on Twitter to get even more of this hot, <laughs> take not even a hot take this kind of uh i can't even say it what, what, whatever it is that, that we're giving you now you can get that all the time on twitter what, what is the word i'm looking for michael uh certain what the french call and i don't know what sure you can follow me spencer at bunts suck 
Michael at Michael underscore LBK and the show at 23 personnel. You can follow us on Instagram, 23 personnel podcast. And soon you can follow us on the locker room app, which may or may not be in the works of a rebrand. Stay tuned. Yeah, for that. A lot of big things going on with the locker room app. So we've been told, so we've been told, but what it is and what it will be is the live audio only sports talk platform free to download and to use. Talk to me, Michael, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. All you need to do is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS and Android app stores. Create a profile link here, Twitter, and join the group. Follow us, Spencer Rogers, 23 personnel, and be notified when we go live. The Locker Room app. It's coming, man. Big changes. We'll have to update you as we know more. As we know more. Um, no more. As in no more baseball. Let's talk baseball, Michael. Okay. Left field. Well struck. Desloni picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second. Throw. Out in second. Young lifts it to right field. Looking for a second home. One thing absent this weekend, Michael, was that atmosphere and those kind of highlights. Yes. The Cardinal took the fans out in the first inning of the first game, just about. And in the second game. I mean, they they didn't put up four runs on Saturday like they did on Friday, but they scored first on Saturday and basically like, hey, remember we did yesterday? We're here to do it again. Yes. Picking up right where we left off. Friday, though, man, you had Chase Hampton starting and you were like, all right, well, it's worked. It's not changed up too much. Set us up for the weekend. Get us going. And unfortunately, you give up a big crooked number in the top of the first. Tim Tawa, one of the guys we talked about last week. In his only hit of the weekend, his first at-bat, third pitch he's seen. Smokes a line drive home run that off the bat, and from my angle, I was like, that's foul. (laughs) Like, everybody jumped up. I was like, no, it's foul. Guys, sit down. No, it was was fair enough. (laughs) 
fair enough. And I was sitting behind, I was, you know, I was behind the uh, Stanford section. Um, they were rowdy, but it did not end there. Bruiser, the guy we talked about having a great name, uh, knocks in an RBI single. Bowser, their third baseman, knocked in an RBI single. And then Tommy Troy, like they had all kinds of names on this team, Michael. Tommy Troy singled and knocked in an, an, an RBI. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives... There's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Um, Did you know, speaking of the name Bowser, Doug Bowser... Doug Bowser is currently the president of Nintendo of America. There's a guy named Bowser running Nintendo. That's this does not seem right. It's good. It's good. Anyway, I learned that today. I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> Texas Tech. That's my baseball contribution. <laughs> um, yeah, you held them to the, those four. They didn't score in the second or third. You're like, all right, well, it's not insurmountable. Beck is their ace and he was dealing and you were not getting the strike zone on Friday. Like it was, yeah, that was microscopic. Well, um, and at least early on. And then it, it felt like it opened up once, like enough people were complaining. It opened up a little bit, but early on, like especially that first inning, it felt like chase Hampton had to throw right down the middle to, to get a strike call. Stanford was like a dinner plate that would, would just move randomly. Stanford picked up on that and they were just crushing him because he had to throw like middle, middle to get any strikes. Um, but you do hold him no runs in the second, third and fourth innings. Cole Stillwell comes up. He hits a line drive home run down that left field, uh, foul line. You're like, all right, man, we can get back in this. Right. Or let's, let's get this going. Um, you hold them again in the fifth, sixth inning comes up. Uh, you give up a double, uh, Robinson singles, the left field bruiser singles. Um, no, sorry. I'm, I, I jumped ahead. That's the seventh bruiser. Homer's seventh is bad. Yeah. Bruiser homers in the sixth. 
Um, and then you get a uh, sack fly from Tommy Troy to extend the lead six one. You're like at that point after you had seen five innings of back, you're like, I don't know if we're getting this one back. But you're like, you know what? We, we threw Hampton on Friday. Sure. Um, you know, and then we kind of went through our like I don't I don't want to disparage our, our our bullpen guys, but like you kind of went through like your 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 B team relievers. Mm-hmm. Like you just need guys to eat up innings. Chase Hampton goes three and two thirds. Derek Bridges goes one and one and two thirds. Brendan Girton goes two thirds. Eli Reekman comes in, doesn't record an out. Levi Wells goes an inning. Brandon Beckel goes an inning. Chase Webster goes an inning. So like it's not like you burned any arms on Friday thinking, oh man, like we really needed him. Cause once it got to that point and you saw what yeah. Beck was doing, I think Tadlock's like, all right, we've got just, two let's, more games. Let's finish the game. Let's get out of here alive. And a lot <laughs> of what Rickman, a lot Rickman of had two pitches. Yeah. He came in like immediately gave up a hit or he hit a batter he gave up a home run or something. Yeah. It, it was bad. Whatever it was, it was bad. Uh, and then he came right back out. Um, but like, I, I think, I think there was a lot of that same kind of sentiment, like, all right, well, I don't think like their second guy, Alex Williams, who was going to start on, on Saturday, like he thrown 41 innings on the year. You're like, all right, he's not going to be a long innings guy. Sure. Um, and we can get to their bullpen. They don't have the depth. And that's why they go through and use the same guys over and over again throughout the weekend. Um, so like while it got away from you on Friday, like they put up 15 runs, runs don't carry over. Like, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing that you got boat race like that, but it was four one basically when they knocked out your, your starting pitcher. Um, and you kind of felt like Beck wasn't going to give up another three runs. You gave up two quick in the six. You're like, okay. I mean, at that point it was six one. Like that's not, embarrassing to lose a game six one. It's just, then you gave up nine more runs after that. <laughs> that was the embarrassing part. But like, like I said, runs don't carry over. You're like, we're oh, fine. We're fine. We got two more games. Um, and we I, got through their ACE that that's kind of what you were feeling. Yeah, like this was, like, this is their best pitcher that, you know, tech made it through that. The, they made and, it through the weather. Of course, you know, card, the Cardinal had no issue with the weather. In black uniforms. Yeah. Very, um, very drought resistant trees. The Cardinal, uh, possibly mesquite. Not quite sure. Ever we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're not talking East Texas, 35, 40, 50 foot tall mesquite. We're, we're talking Eastern New Mexico brush mesquite. They were, they were very resilient out there in the 107 degree heat. Yeah, Beck goes uh, seven and a third inning. He could have gone more, longer, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, gives up six hits, two runs. Both of those are earned. One walk, 13 strikeouts. Ooh. Opponent batting average of 214. Um, I think I calculated that right. I'm, I'm pretty I'm sure going I with did. it. The, the Stanford Cardinal batting average Friday, 359. There were, what did I hear? Seven of their batters had scored two runs. Um, or had hit, I don't know, it's on the it's on the ridiculous Texas Tech on the day goes 206. So their batting average actually went down facing their reliever. The one reliever you get to. Because spoiler alert, 
Alex Williams comes in on Saturday and goes nine innings, complete game on you, which is not what we were expecting. Not even close. Um, 41 innings on the year coming into that game, right? Yeah, he picked up an extra 20%. Like 20% of his innings came in one game. I know. Pitched the whole damn game. Um, but yeah, like leaving Friday, like, okay, we got through the race. Mm-hmm. We, we, haven't, we, haven't, we haven't used our number one or number two starting pitcher. We've got all of our, our good bullpen arms. We're good to go for the rest of the weekend. Like, we got this. Saturday, man, like they got... It, it it felt like they got to Monteverdi and like you kind of like this, this trend, the trajectory over the the season where like he started off so hot and then there's like little by little, he kept going shorter in the games. He was getting uh, knocked around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Saturday, Monteverdi goes only three and two thirds innings, four hits, three runs, all three earned, two walks, seven strikeouts. Um, when he leaves in the fourth or in the fifth, excuse me, it was four nothing. And again, you're like, well, that's like, you're not out, out of it. But like the way that Alex Williams had been pitching for Stanford, you're like, okay, we just could like, be rough. We, we, we need to get him out of the game and, mm-hmm. and get to their bullpen. Cause I don't think we're getting anything against this guy right now. Um, Stanford starting off the offense in the first. They were the home team because of the stupid rule there. Uh, Jones homers to right. So again, they they hit a home run in the first inning, both games. Um, the second, Troy, Tommy Troy comes up, hits a two-run home run to go three-nothing. Um, in the fifth inning, Robinson singles, an infield single. Knocks in an RBI. Um, and then our boy Jones comes up two more times in this game. It's two more home runs. One of which is a grand slam. Mm. Um, yeah. Six RBI on his own. Yeah. Micah Dallas comes in fall uh, in the, um, in the fourth to take over for Monteverdi. He goes an inning and two thirds gives up two hits Four runs, two earned, three walks, two strikeouts. That's not a Micah Dallas outing. Ryan Sublet comes in, goes an inning and two-thirds as well. Four hits, one run, one earned, no walks, two strikeouts. Connor Queen comes in, throws an inning, one hit, one run, one earned, which is not another Jones home run. Brock Jones, two strikeouts. Alex Williams, nine innings, two hits, one walk, 10 strikeouts, no runs, obviously. So the yeah. guy, we were like, he'll go a Good few efficient. innings. He went nine. You had, you had him on the ropes in the fifth and you're like, here we go. Here's our chance to, to get at him, knock him out of the game. Um, starts off. Cole Stillwell gets hit by a pitch. He gets on base Easton Morrell walks. So you got, you got guys on first and second, nobody out. Nate Romback comes up. You're like, this is feeling good. Feel good about this. Nate's been hitting it pretty good. Um, you're just like, Nate, we need you on base, man. And he goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pitch at bat ends in a full count strikeout swinging. You're like, oof. 
Okay, well, one out. Let's go. We got two more to go. Mm-hmm. Cal Conley comes in to pinch hit for Parker Kelly. Cal Conley uh, apparently dealing with a sickness over the weekend. Gutted it out. Played on Friday. Apparently got sick on the field. I missed it. Didn't see that. Uh, did not start on Saturday, but did come in as a pinch hitter in the fifth on Saturday. Second pitch he sees. He skies one foul caught by the catcher. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> we needed that one. And then Kurt Wilson on four pitches strikes out looking. All the momentum swings back into Alex Williams' favor. You could see it as he was leaving the field, screaming, pounding his glove. You're like, that may have been it. That may have been your, uh, your chance there. Then they come back and score one more in the fifth. So you kind of feel like, all right, well, we lost our chance to score there, had a good shot, and then they score. You're like, okay, whatever. It's four nothing. We got this. It's not. It's not over. It's not over. Um, top of the sixth does not go well for you. Braxton Fulford flies out. Dylan Carter strikes out. Drew break. Drew Baker grounds out. So you go quick. Three up, three down. Stanford comes up. Troy uh, Tommy. Troy. I keep saying Troy Tommy because it's. Last name could be a first name. Tommy Troy walks. Um, Crampton has a sacrifice bunt, moves Troy over to second. Their leadoff hitter, Park, walks. Tawa, their second baseman, reaches on a fielder's choice. So you've got runners at first and second. Um, actually, no. Bases loaded because there Bases was loaded. Yeah. Troy advanced a third on an error. Sublet comes in, gets Brock Jones to a three, one count, which everybody knows it's not good for pitchers. <laughs> they got to mm-hmm. throw a strike. Most people assume, understand it's probably, you're probably going to see a fastball there. Brock Jones knew it. <laughs> Crushes a grand slam. And ends the game essentially in the sixth inning, going up eight nothing. Stanford. Yeah, just a, just not what we expected. I mean, I, I know that we're going to get into a little bit more down here, or we might as well just start because, well, you had a couple other things to mention here that uh, this is the first ever postseason shutout in the Tadlock era, and hat tip to Keith for supplying us with that stat and also the first ever super regional loss. So when every time tech has made it to the super regional, they've advanced. So this is a, your, your, your supers have been against the college of Charleston, your first one. And you won, uh, you won both game. You won two games, one Oh, um, then you played ECU, uh, Duke and Oklahoma state. Mm Mm-hmm. And all four and just, times you were like, no, nah, man, we got this in advance. No, we've, we've been spoiled. We've been spoiled. And I, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more at the end, just kind of overall reactions. But I, I think we underestimated the Stanford team. Would you say that? And by we, I mean you and I. Not, not, Tadlock, I think, not fans as a whole, but you and I underestimated the Stanford team. So I knew nothing about Stanford, Stanford, excuse me, before doing the research for the show last week. Um, I looked at their numbers. 
I saw what they did in conference play. It was like, and the two kind of didn't Jai was like, well, they're not like they're decent, but they're not like a great team. Sure. Statistically. Um, they did win every conference series and that included teams like Oregon state, Arizona, Arizona state, UCLA teams that all made playoffs, um, somewhere. So it was like, well, I mean, they're not like on paper, not a great team, but they, they took care of business when they needed to. So it was like, well, I mean, are they just getting lucky? Are they getting timely hitting or whatever? A big, uh, performance from a, a pitcher stepping up, but man, like they were not the team I was expecting. Uh, and, and maybe cause I, I, I let myself just look at these stats and be like, Texas tech holds so much, so many advantages here. Like this is, this is like, you know, like it, it shouldn't be, I mean, yeah, they have one great starting pitcher, but like the rest of it, you should feel pretty good. And I'm pretty sure I said something almost exactly like that. That's where I was too. I thought if, if tech gets passed back on, on Friday, I thought it could go to three games if Beck gave him trouble on Friday, but then mm-hmm. I just was incorrectly thinking, well, they'll win that, the next two. And it, Beck definitely gave them trouble on Friday. And then Alex Williams gave them even more trouble on Saturday. And like I he, think accounted for like a .07 batting average <laughs> or opponent batting average against yeah. Tech. Tech had two hits. As much as we talked about like how good Beck was, Williams was probably better. Yeah, I, I really think he was. And I mean, just pitching a complete game is incredible. And if we've talked about Beck doing that, he did that against Oregon State, I think in the last conference game of the mm-hmm. Pac-12. We talked about that last week, but just Williams, I definitely underestimated him. I underestimated their bats. I, I really thought that Tex pitchers would be able to to deal a little bit better. Uh, they were. And, you know, part of that could be attributed to the the weird strike zone, especially on Friday, but man, these guys were just hammering up. They were hammering everybody. They were relentless. I think, uh, Jones's three home runs were against three different pitchers on Saturday. <laughs> I'm not positive about that, but yeah, I think it was, it was. Le- it was at least sublet and queen Dallas. And oh, Dallas. oh yeah. Yeah. So it, I think it was against three different no, guys. No, no, so they it was against Monteverdi who started Monteverdi, and that's then it right. was Sublet for the Grand Slam, and then Connor Queen for his last one. Yeah, because Dallas walked a bunch of them to load yeah. them to load the bases, and then Sublet. Okay, yeah. But anyway, just uncharacteristic pitching performance. It, and in both ways, like it, it seemed like Alex Loons overperformed. Texas Tech pitchers underperformed. Um, and then your batters like, yeah, you face good pitching, but like they just, they, I mean, you had what? 10 hits on the weekend. Um, that sounds right. Let me see. There was definitely two on Saturday. <laughs> you only had two on Saturday. So whatever it was Friday plus two, nine, nine, nine hits on the weekend. And I'm pretty sure Stanford had nine hits in the second inning on Friday. Nine hits on the weekend, and Cole Stillwell had four of them. And no offense to Cole Stillwell, but he can't be hitting, you know, 40% of your your offensive production. Nobody can. <laughs> and expect to win. Yeah. That's a rough go. So, Texas Tech's knocked out. Um, I guess really quickly, we'll look at the other super regionals uh, and, and just tell you who won who all is going to Omaha. That's not Texas tech. 
just that hurts to say. Where did I put it? It's in the notes here somewhere. Did, did I not? You know what I probably did is I cut it and I meant to move it and didn't ever paste it. So I was wondering. I didn't see it. I didn't see them in here. But we could. We so could it's Texas, pull it up. Tennessee, North Carolina State, NC State knocked off Arkansas, which was a big the big surprise over the weekend. Vanderbilt, Virginia, Mississippi State. I think that's eight. And Stanford, obviously. Yeah, obviously. So I'm going to root for him a little bit because that was going into the... That was a humbling, my man. (laughs) That was tough. (laughs) Leaving last weekend and looking at at the regionals, uh, I mentioned to Keith, I was like, well, I asked Keith, I was like, Arkansas is going to win it all, right? Right? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really, I don't really pick winners in the postseasons because it's such a wild card. Um, I mean, it depends on how hot Stanford is and how, how they can, that they can get this going. Uh, Vanderbilt's going to be a tough out. I mean, Texas has got a great shot at it, unfortunately. Yeah, they really do. Especially without Arkansas. I really want to see a Texas Tennessee matchup and just see the grossest orange <laughs> that we can possibly imagine. Just oh, a sea man. of of clashing orange and UT caps all over the place. Just teas and oranges and because both teams have a T on their hat. T for Texas, T for Tennessee. <laughs> Game one, Stanford NC State will be Saturday the nineteenth at two. Game two. Vanderbilt, Arizona. That's the team I left off. Vanderbilt, Arizona, 7 p.m. That, that, that could be a really good game. Sunday, game mm-hmm. three, Tennessee, Virginia. And then Texas, Mississippi State. I think that will also be a good game. And then you yes. get your, your bracket, your, your double elimination. You basically have these um, two four-team brackets, and then the winners of each bracket will play. in a little best of three there at the end. Oh, well, was it meant to be this year? No, no. And, and I think, I think we kind of knew that when, when the injury started stacking up um, and when you were kind of going through and struggling in the conference uh, schedule, you're kind of looking at it like, well, I mean, we won't win the big 12 again. Uh, let's see how far we can get. And then you end up finishing. It was third, right? In the big 12, third in the big 12. Yes. Um, you didn't do so hot in Oklahoma city, but that's not anything new. You've even with your best team have gone like one and two out there. You came home to a regional with some good teams, North Carolina and UCLA are good teams. Uh, and you, it felt like you handily took care of business against your three opponents in the region. Like, okay, we're good. We're, 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 we're fighting here. Um, but like when you look back at it, like you're missing, what could have been a really salty like weekend rotation of Austin Becker, Hunter Dobbins and Brandon Birdsell. Like the three of them could have been your, your weekend starters. Sure. Yeah. All them were gone. Relief pitcher, J- Jacob Rostowski. Um, you had noisy for like 30 seconds this year before he broke his back. Drew Baker missed quite, quite a bit of time. Then when he came back, he wasn't hundred percent. Kurt Wilson missed quite a bit of time as a fielder and a batter. He was able to, to contribute as a pitcher for a couple innings here and there. Um, so like you were, you were kind of testing your depth there. 
uh, Nate Romback kind of disappeared there for a while. Um, you know, nobody could spell Fulford behind the dish. Like he basically caught the bas- the back two thirds of the, of the schedule. It felt mm-hmm. like, um, where, where last year it felt like, you know, he would catch Friday, Saturday, and then Romback or Stillwell or whoever would catch on Sunday and give him a break and, you know, put him a DH or whatever, but he couldn't do that this year. Um, and I don't want to say like, like without these injuries, you could have been a whole lot better, but like, it's hard to feel bad when you lose such great talent about what you were still able to do this year. Um, like if noisy is your everyday center fielder, like your offense is so much better. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the tricky thing though, with all that though, all those guys that were missing, you're like, well, when they come back healthy, like we'll, we'll be good to go next year. We're like, well, so many guys on this roster are draft eligible. And yes, it's a, it's a light draft this year. Only 20 rounds only still <laughs> 612 selections. Let's not, let's not miss that. Um, like your team from the guys that, that contributed so many innings and so many at bats this year could be gone. Um, now I, I, I took this from, from Keith, but he shared the baseball America top 500 draft rankings and where some of the red Raiders fell. Drew Baker's highest on that list is 169. That would be good for like the fifth round. Mm. Cal Conley's next at 183. Braxton Fulford 206. Your pitchers are quite a bit lower than I would, I would have expected. Um, but then like, Mason Montgomery, 307. Micah Dallas, 329. Brandon Birdsell, 362. Ryan Sublet, 376. Monteverdi, 464. So that's really interesting that Birdsell's above Sublet Monteverdi. And Birdsell only threw like six or seven innings this year, it felt yeah. like. I don't know. Now, them having those draft rankings from one outlet doesn't mean that they're gone. Of course but you would expect guys like Baker Conley Fulford. Like if they're going top 10 rounds, like maybe it is time for them to go. Yeah. Then you really look at like, consider it like, well, Fulford's been like, he's taken so many innings as you're starting catcher. Like, well, who else do you have? Like Nate Romback can catch, but he's been playing a lot of first base for you. Um, Baker was so good for you. Conley. I mean, he was sick this weekend, but let, let's 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 not skip over that he he just received the 2021 Brooks Wallace Award given to the nation's best shortstop. He could be gone. Jace Young named National College Baseball Writers Association Freshman Hitter of the Year, although it's a second freshman season. He's not going to be gone. Um, but like you look at the draft eligible names. So guys that not only had rankings, but some of the other guys that could possibly go, Drew Baker, Cody Masters, Kurt Wilson, Dylan Noisy, Mason Montgomery, Cal Conley, Parker Kelly, Cole Stillwell, Easton Morrell, Max Marshawn, Connor Queen. Of course, Queen's going to be going because he's a senior. Braxton Fulford, Austin Becker, Jacob Rustoski, Micah Dallas, Hunter Dobbins, Patrick Monteverdi, Riley Ramsey, Eli Reekman, and Ryan Sublette. A lot of potential for change over this, this off season. And we will need to be keeping an eye on it. it Cause 
you know, last year was just weird with, with COVID hitting and people getting an extra year and some guys choosing to, to go ahead and take off a little early. So, but I think tech was able to keep their roster pretty well intact. And then adding guys from their recruiting class, it felt like they just kind of added yeah. to it. The only guys they lost were, um, Oh, we talked about him last week. Um, McMillan, John McMillan. There was another senior that had to go. Brian Klein. Yeah. I think there's one more, but like, even then you're like, okay, well you got guys here. You've got a top 15 recruiting class coming in for 2021, 22, whenever they based up on campus. Although there are a couple of those guys that are in that top 500 rankings as well. Infielder Cameron Colley is 85 highest of all of you, of your Texas tech players. And then infielder or pitcher AJ Smith Shaver, 321. So he'd fit in there actually between Mason Montgomery and Micah Dallas. So I, you, I think we felt really, even with sports being so uncertain and things feeling so odd a year ago, probably as far as uncertainty on the baseball roster, that was probably one of our least worries was just the fact that, okay, well, Yes, we're losing a few guys, and they should go and do what they can to to try to get a try to get on a pro roster somewhere. It's the time to do it. And then you thought, but then here we go. We're we're good. We're going to have this great stable of guys, and now this season just feels completely different with how the drafts being run and just the timing of it, and just. I don't know. I'm a little more uncertain, a little uneasy about how this is going to go this year. And maybe there won't be a big turnover, but we'll just have to wait and find out. Yeah. Cause I, I at least I do. I, I look at those names. I was like, well, that's basically your entire team. Yeah. I mean, they like, were, they're all very um, integral contributors in some way or another. I mean, your outfield and, and Baker and Wilson and masters Morell, Marshock, mm-hmm. and Noisy. Those are all all your your outfielders. Cal Conley, Parker Kelly. That's your left side of the infield. Um, Braxton Fulford is your catcher. Like you've got first base with Rombach and second with Jace Young. Then a whole group of pitchers could be gone. Like this team could look one hundred percent different. You yep. could have like. Like returning starters of Nate Romback and Jace Young. Yeah, you're looking at a that almost like a Chris Beard, Mark Adams Who? basketball scenario of <laughs> just wow. Okay, all right. Who are all these guys? I need a program. I need a program. I just need to make sure. I need to go to fall ball and go to the red and black series just to figure out who all the guys are. Which is fine. That's how that's how things work. So just an yeah. interesting position to be in after a, a fortunate. A uh, position of certainty after the season that did not happen last year. And I look around the country and I look at the teams that are like stacked and doing really well. And so much of it has to do with your elite starting pitching and then bullpen depth, which I think we felt like we had. We just never got to, we, we never came to fruition, never developed. Those guys I mentioned, uh, of all the guys that threw on Friday, you're like, man, like, Going into the season, like we, we kind of were expecting some innings to come out of those guys, and it really wasn't. It was uh, Sublette and 
queen and uh, divine. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a lot of guys that like you were, I don't know. Well, you saw flashes of it. I mean, Sublette and Dallas just totally kicked tail in the regional. Yeah. Coming out. And that was kind of what I th- thought that just naively thought that that would just float on through to the super regional. All the pitching would be just as good as it was. Cam was, Warren was not meant to be. That's the only guy that <laughs> had to leave. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I thought Cam Warren, but I thought that he was a senior. I thought he left in 2019, but maybe not. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. I thought he was already, he was a senior. I don't know what I thought about playing. Yeah. I, I remember seeing him at the games this weekend walking around um, with Steven Smith, actually former red Raider outfielder. Anyways, um, team could look a whole lot different next year. And that's not, it's not something you kind of expected or have dealt with, with baseball, at least for a while, it feels like. Right. Um, I guess one more, one more piece of uh, red Raider baseball news. Josh young is making or has made his double a debut tonight for the Frisco rough riders. He had uh, going into the spring and broken a thumb I was going to be out for eight weeks after a little bit of surgery uh, and then rehab getting his start tonight, batting third for them against the Corpus Christi hooks. Other player to note here, Michael, former red Raider pitcher, Parker Mushinsky. Oh yeah. Was the starting pitcher for the hooks tonight. There was an interview between, uh, or of Josh talking about what it'd be like to face him and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was pretty cool. This young actually singled off Mashinsky. I I saw that come across the Twitter sphere. He hit a um he hit a single over to left field on his first at bat, which is fantastic. So it kind of worked out. Uh, Keith posted this in our Slack chat, so credit to Keith. Also listen to Dinger Derby. Go to redraiderdugout.com, check out Keith for his wrap up of the season. Uh, but he mentioned today in our Slack chat before, right before we started recording, Mashinsky had a great outing. He pitched six innings, two hits, one of them to Young, of course. But in those six innings, no runs, no walks, eleven strikeouts. Dude, dude was on it, man. That is yeah. that is as solid of a six inning outing as you can get. Yeah, Josh Young looks like he went uh, one for four tonight. Yep. So he only with hit a single <laughs> Mashinsky <laughs> with one strikeout and, and was caught stealing, unfortunately. So the one time he got on, he got oh, caught no. stealing. But it's good to see him um, get back and start playing some professional baseball after leaving last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Drafted yes. eighth overall by my Texas Rangers, who are caught awful right now. Still, the thought is that he could make his major league debut this summer, which would be really cool. Exciting, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. We will see. All right. I think um, as much as the season is over and it, it was strange and painful and kind of hard to go through all that, I think, I think it's time to move on. We'll talk a little basketball. I think so too. And then we'll wrap this thing up. All right. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. over the top of Bowman, get a ground strip by Oliver. 
the shot clock is at three. Mooney spins, fires. Oh, he got it to go. Edwards with a three. Good. What a shot, Kyler Edwards. Ready, double into three. Goins who puts it down. Already. Right. Another transfer, Michael. This one was uh, in the works for a while. Kind of saw it coming. Or one of the players that had been rumored to be considering Texas Tech. I had been in the transfer portal for quite a while. UTEP forward Bryson Williams announced he was transferring to Texas Tech on Sunday. And then the school released uh, this afternoon that he had signed. Or Monday. I think this is a pretty great get. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we needed some size. Well, he's, he's like the second his... biggest guy on the team now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so he's he's six eight two thirty, um, which puts him taller and bigger than Marcus Santasilva. Um, played forward, will play forward. Um, more of an offensive guy than defense, though. Well. I say that he was really good at rebounding. Uh, wasn't a shot blocker or shot shot alterer. That was a weird way to say that. <laughs> I know. And then you, but he's a, it's just, <laughs> ah, I'm excited. Um, he is a fifth or sixth year senior. <laughs> we'll still have one year of eligibility left for Texas tech. I guess he'll be fifth year senior. He played two years at Fresno state transferred to Utah, played two years for them. Actually, he was following coach Rodney Terry, who was at Fresno State, then took a job at UTEP. Interestingly enough, Rodney Terry ended up as an assistant on the UT basketball staff. Did not follow Terry to Austin, though. That's right. He's like, That's nah, worth noting. Worth noting that Mark Adams broke that trend and said, no, no. No, no, Beard. This guy stays for us. Averaged 15 points last year, 48% from the field, 84% from the free throw line, and seven rebounds a game. I like it. I like it too. Uh, Seth had some good additional stats thrown in on his post mm-hmm. on staking the planes about Bryson Williams. Uh, well, one of the things that I wanted to mention, okay. Generally speaking, this is Seth. Talking now. Generally speaking, Williams is terrific inside the three-point line, making 65.2 of close two-point shots, 45.9 from far away. I think that's pretty darn good. Um, Overall makes 51.2% of his two-point shots. Um, Not very good from three, making only 26%, (laughs) which is interesting because the 10-minute highlight video I watched of him, he made at least four or five threes. So I wonder if that was almost all of them. All of them, yeah. (laughs) Uh, possible, but that's the thing. You just just don't have him shoot threes. Like if he's going to shoot 66 or 65% from close threes, like, or close twos, then have him shoot inside, man. Just get in there. Sure. Just come on in. Just come on inside. Just get a few feet. But I, I did like what I saw. He's 
he's a he's kind of one of those sneaky big guys. He doesn't seem that big, and then the next thing you know, he's dunking on you, or he's euro he's picking up his dribble at the free throw line and euro stepping without traveling completely for a layup. Um, you know, he can move quickly in shorts, uh, not short steps, but in few steps. One of the things I noticed too, is he really can take advantage of his position, uh, fighting for rebounds and also just for calling for the ball. I noticed several of the instances in the replays where he would get position behind a defender and be able to hold him off enough for, uh, his teammate to give him the ball over his defender and then have an easy bucket because of that. So I, I think he's got a lot he can add to the team and he's, he's played a lot of minutes and and I think that helps a lot too. just having a guy this, this may be outside of maybe Santos Silva. This, this may be the guy on the team now with the most minutes played uh, in D1 basketball uh, where I'm not quite sure on that right now. I'm just saying that off the top of my head, but I know that he has played a lot. So come on in. Welcome. Welcome from far West Texas to, to just plain old West Texas. Yeah. He's one of four seniors on this team. Adonis arms, Davion Warren, Marcos Santos Silva and Bryson Williams are all I didn't seniors. think about arms. Arms may have, uh, yeah, arms may have more minutes, but that's interesting. That's just kind of an interesting thing to consider. Some of the transfers Tex brought in may have more minutes than uh, most of the core of the, the team that was here. Well, there's only four guys that were core of the team that were here. Uh, that's true. Um, <laughs> that's the of, basically, but color. That's, yeah, that's you've what got. I'm with this, um, you've got 11 scholarship players on team. Um, 12 if TJ Shannon decides to return. Still holding out hope. You yeah. never know. Well, you've got he's still listed on the roster. There's all sorts of he's he's got his uh the positivity the new, floating around. The new locker and the and the oh, wall right. is set up. It's got his name on it and everything. So they went ahead and did There's that. There's been some cryptic tweets from teammates, you know, with like googly eyes and stuff and tagging him. So I who knows? That would be it would be massive to get him yes. one more year for Texas Tech. Um Either way, you've got at least one more player to join the roster, if not two, depending on Shannon's decision. Um, I look at the at, at the at the roster and thinking that you may only take one more player, I'm like, I actually think that last player should be a guard. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, because you look I, at your I guards, think, I think you're right. I think you're right. And you've got Clarence Nadolny and Malik Wilson. And then walk on true freshman Ethan Duncan. So you're like, huh, you've got two guards that have played minutes at the college level. Uh, not only no, no disrespect, but like he was, he's not, he hasn't been a starter. Now, yeah, he had he had Kyler Edwards and Mac McClung, um, like other starting guards ahead of him last season, and so he's got the opportunity to take over and and, and be a starting guard. This upcoming season for sure. But you just look at it, you're like, I mean, you don't have any depth at guard. And we talk about like, we need size, we need size. Well, you've gone so many six, 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 seven guys 
Like if you've got one spot left, you probably need a third guard. I think you're right. If you've got two, take a guard and then go after the biggest man you can get. (laughs) Go get another 6'11", sit seven footer. Uh, which is going to be hard to find, you know, in July and August. That won't be a project out of Putnam Science Academy, but. You're not bitter. No, not at all. Um, so, yeah, like as much as we've harped on like needing a wanting size. You look now, you're like, yeah, I really could use a six four, six five <laughs> guard right about now. Well, we had one till he hitched his hitched his old wagon i know that down like, highway six that, that's the other thing is like you're missing out on uh well him but i'm also thinking about uh chandler jacobs oh yeah 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 i, was I think you feel pretty good jacobs. about your 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 guard depth if, if jacobs was still committed and coming to texas tech like we said that one hurt that one hurt a little bit yeah you know best of luck to the young man but man i was looking forward to him playing here and maybe the, the, the way that, that Seth has the eligibility chart listed, maybe some of your versatile wings, the way he's got it listed, can, can play guard, like Adonis Arms and, and Davion Warren. You know, because they're, they're seniors, maybe, maybe they have the experience. I don't know. I, I, haven't, I don't know enough about them specifically to know if they can come in and play guard or if they're just like that combo two, three, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Don't necessarily want them bringing the ball down, but can handle it fine in the half court. We'll see. Yeah. So I think let's, let's wrap this up and get to what we learned, Michael. What do you think? Okay. I'm ready. Let's do it. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. A couple of things. One, I'm going to go first real quick. Michael, the, uh, the reservation has been made for the tiller. Oh no. You're about to tear up your yard. It's happening on Friday. Oh, bless. Cause I'm, you know, I, I, I have, I have not taken enough time off at work. So I have reached my PTO cap, reached an agreement with my boss saying, I'm going to take every Friday off the rest of the summer, including a couple of weeks off just for vacation time. And I was like, I don't, I was like, I, I want to do it this weekend. And Spencer's like, well, why don't you do it on Friday? It's like, that's a really good point. I don't have to fight a bunch of people wanting it on the weekend. Cause there's only one of these things in the store I don't know, Friday. So the grass, uh, where I want to plant this garden, mm-hmm. it's crispy. I think I sent you guys a <laughs> picture of it in the Slack chat. Um, you totally did not only yellow, but like it's crunchy. Like, like we're walking on leaves in the fall, man. Well, and um, you made sure to send a picture of it next to your luscious green fescue. Oh yeah. I like the, the rest of the yard is still like rocking and rolling. Like it's not, it's sad after having endured a week plus of a hundred plus degrees. I don't think you could tell like last summer, like there were times when the grass was struggling and granted this was the first like really hot spot we've had. Cause it went from like a, an extended spring to like August like that. Um, the grass looks great, man, except yeah. for this corner of the yard. And I'm thinking, so I've got this, it's basically like a 12 by 12 square in this corner next to my shed. I want to convert it. I think I'm going to leave a strip of grass and dirt kind of undisturbed down the middle so I can get to the rows and plants on the outside. And then oh, well, up yeah. to the, uh, I've got a, 
compost your tram line. It's basically your tram line. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm like make a, like an L shape or leave an L shape of grass or dirt where I can walk and not feel bad about walking through the garden. But yeah, man, we're getting, we're getting close. Um, some of the plants I have, like I've got, I'm down to four tomato plants. I had six, one died a couple weeks ago. One is like, it wilted, like something happened the past couple of days. It's, it's basically gone now. So I've got four left, but they're, they're getting big. I've got a sunflower that's probably pushing two and a half feet tall right now coming out of a pot, which is kind of funny. Um, and then I've got, I think three each of cucumbers and squash, but basically all of those need to be in the ground and then have like a cage or a trellis that they can grow up onto. So that that's another reason why it's time to do it. Cause they're getting so big. They're not yeah. growing the way and the shape they need to be. Cause they're not one in a big enough pot and two don't have the support to grow the way they should be. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta get on this. So yeah, man, converting it over, doing that work on Friday. Uh, the pepper plants, I've got at least two of each jalapeno Hungarian wax habanero and cayenne and they're all rocking and rolling. They all look really good. I'm still, I'm, I'm on the fence whether or not they need to be in a pot or, or if they should go on the ground. I'm leaning towards pot, but I don't know, but they need to be bigger pots than they are now. Anyways. Yeah, I, I think so. Well, I mean, I, I, hats off to you, man. You've got the tiller coming. This is this is happening. You're about to completely destroy your yard. I'm not destroying the whole yard. I'm just thinking like a 145 square foot section. Like it's a 12 by 12 square over here. You're gonna, you're going to destroy a a bedroom. Yeah, of your yard. Bedroom. Um, the other thing that I, I did to help kind of expedite the the kill off process of the grass is I adjusted the sprinklers to not hit that square. So like there is one sprinkler in the corner. I completely sh- shut it off. The other one I just adjusted where it didn't spray into that section. So my tall fescue, I cut it at like an inch. So it was already like, whoa, what are you doing? It's stressed yeah. out. And then I sprayed yeah. it twice with Roundup and then have not been watering. I'm making sure it was like not watered. So I, that's how it's all crispy. It, yeah. And it, that ground kinda, is nice and hard. It kind of hurt. <laughs> yeah. So m- maybe I should water it or soak it. Yeah, you got to be careful a little bit. Cause if I mean, watering will also make it hard. <laughs> Sorry. Yikes. No, watering will also make the ground hard. If, uh, if it's overwatered. Yeah. Anyways, getting really close to having a garden this weekend. Well, I'm excited because I've got a great recipe to share with you. Oh yeah. Is it about the steak? Yeah. It's, oh, it's another mistake that I talked about earlier. This blogger that my wife discovered it's howsweeteats.com she has been fantastic uh my wife's tried several recipes of hers enough of them were good enough that she looked up this woman's cookbook and ordered it and we've gone through the cookbook looking at it and go oh gosh that looks so good that looks so good too anyway i have all the faith in the world in this, in this woman to create a recipe. And so I saw this one and it was called coffee crusted steak with herbed Mm. corn salsa. Now I did not make the herbed corn salsa. I just didn't, we didn't feel like messing with it. Whatever. 
I was actually going to ask you if it was like a, a coffee rub. Yes, it was a coffee. It was a coffee rub, which I thought, well, that sounds intriguing. And we have some steaks from Kansas City Steak Company, no longer a sponsor, but oh well. So we have some in the freezer, and I thought, well, you know, she suggested using strip steaks, but I think she made one with the strip and one with the ribeye, and we had a, a pretty good sized ribeye. So I, we're just going to make one and split it. So I made it, and I've been talking about it for a while, and Allison was, you know needing to know what I needed from the store. And I looked quickly at the, at the rub earlier this week and I just glanced through it and I was like, no, I think we're good. We've got everything we need. I did not notice. I here's okay. Here's, here's the rub (laughs) ingredients. I'm going to read all but one because that one I didn't notice until it was practically time. Like the charcoal was heating up outside and I, I realized this last ingredient. So the, this all sounds good. Ground coffee, paprika, garlic powder, kosher salt, black pepper, ground mustard. You're thinking ground mustard. Oh, well, that's kind of interesting. The final ingredient that I didn't read, which is the most, was brown sugar. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> was so, it like super bitter? No, no. It was... I I, I understood the sugar... Because I kept talking to my talking it through my head before I cooked it. I thought, okay, well, the sugar's got to be to counteract the bitterness of the coffee because you're using actual ground coffee. And since I just did one steak, I did half of the ingredients listed here. So I had an actual tablespoon of ground coffee. Anyway, this made so much rub. I had like a half of it left. And I thought, I'm not putting more on the steak. This is enough. I already made the half thing of rub. And there's, this is already twice as much as I needed. So I could have made like a fourth <laughs> of it. Anyway, hats off to me for cooking the steak absolutely perfectly. It was, <laughs> it was well, after, after your last two struggles where you're like, I, I blasted the steak and it's, I blast. Oh, tough. this one was this great. One's you know, perfect. Guess. I'm two in a row now. I'm two oh. in a row now. Cause I had two really bad ones and then I knocked the last two out of the park. So the steak was cooked perfectly. But it was sweet, (laughs) but it was sweet, which of course it was because there was brown sugar in the rub. I have never put brown sugar on beef before in my life. I can't think of an application where that would make a ton of sense. Pork. Yeah. You could see it on pork, bacon. Well, obviously, but I just, for some reason, completely skipped over that the whole like week or two I had to think about this recipe until it was time to season it and put it on the grill. And I thought, oh, I don't know about this now. So we both <laughs> ate it. And I like to say it's because of how well I cooked the steak. And it was a good quality steak too. But we both, the whole time we were eating it, going like, yeah, never again. We're not going <laughs> to we're not gonna put brown sugar on beef. This doesn't work. <laughs> this is weird. This is sweet. And yeah, the coffee was kind of nice. I actually enjoyed it. I really liked how it looked. Mm-hmm. And... I've heard of uh, people in barbecue will, will put some some coffee into their rubs to make their like the briskets or whatever like super dark. It's like a almost like a black rub. Yes, I, I've seen that too. And I thought, man, I don't know if I want to brave that on a brisket. So I, I thought on the steak, perfect. Anyway, it was fine. We ate it, but um, don't let that steer you from this website, HowSweetEats.com. She's got so many great dishes that that my wife has made that we've all enjoyed 
and I'm trying, I'm not, you know, I'm not meaning to bad mouth or anything, but I should have known to expect something a little bit differently when a steak rub included brown sugar. My fault. That's on me. That's on me guys. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I can't think that I've ever put something sweet on beef before. I said like teriyaki or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe a sauce, uh, like a sweet sauce. I I've, I've seen that, uh, you know, barbecue sauces can be sweet and sometimes that's okay with certain types of beef or whenever I make a really tough brisket, like, okay, <laughs> let's get some sweet baby rays out here. Let's, let's choke this down. But, uh, I, I just was, I was a little, I was a little shocked. I was unprepared for exactly what that was going to taste like. Did I tell you about the brisket I made two weekends ago? No, I've been meaning to ask you about it. All right, all right. It's, it's like really you quickly. told you said you were going to do it, and then we never talked about it. Yes, yeah, so it was it was for our family Sunday dinner, not this past Sunday, but the weekend before. Like you started it Saturday night, right? Saturday evening. Evening. Um, <laughs> well, because I was like, okay, so here's the thing. Um, I keep notes of all of the cooks I do, like the smokes, barbecue cooks I do. As do I. Yeah. And I was looking at like basically every brisket or big slab of beef ribs I've done was almost right at an hour per pound of the purchase weight. So before I trimmed it, like if I bought a 15 pound brisket, it took 15 hours to smoke almost exactly for every single one. I was like, okay, I got a 50 or it was like a 14 and a half pound brisket. I was like, all right, uh, I'll plan for, I'll, I'll plan for it to come off the smoker. 14 hours. Um, and because of one of the guys I follow on, on YouTube that, that is, um, he's a barbecue chef. He also tests like a bunch of recipes and like he figures out what works and why it works. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he's, he's really been harping on is like, guys, like I need to tell you that your one or two hour rest is not enough. He's like, rest at eight. 10, 12 hours. He's what? like, no, no, no. He's like, hold it. Um, like pull off the smoker, let it cool down to about 180. And then he rewraps it and then puts it in a cooler or wherever he's going to like a warming oven or whatever and holds it. So it doesn't drop below 135 degrees. Cause I think like a food safety, he, he also does some, some catering. So he's like, he's kind of big into like the food safety aspect of it too. He's sure. like, as long as it doesn't drop below 135 degrees, you should be fine. He's like, what I, I typically do for briskets I cook is I'll have it off the smoker the night before I want to eat it. And then rest it overnight and has it for lunch the next day. Well, that so, was one of the things I learned in my barbecue class at Evie Mays was resting. I mean, they were cooking briskets in Wolferth and driving to Austin for barbecue fest and throwing them in Yeti coolers. Yeah. And, and you know, that that's, it was kind of more like a resiliency thing. They weren't suggesting to rest them that long, but they were saying you totally could. And that's mm -hmm. a great way to not have people come over and you're like, well, mm -hmm. sorry, brisket's not ready. <laughs> right. And, 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 <laughs> Which I have done. <laughs> that's the other thing is like, you don't have to worry. Like if you plan an eight to 12 hour rest and the cook goes four hours long. All right. So then only rest for four hours. Like you still got it off in plenty of time to, for it to rest and have it a decent rest and then still serve it. Anyways. Wow. Um, 
because like, you know, the very end of, of the brisket cook, you have to like, you're looking for color and like fat render and bark and all that kind of stuff. And then you got to wrap it and then you got to monitor temperature, all that kind of stuff. I was like, okay, I don't want to mess with that during our block of like needing to be at church on Sunday morning. So like, I want it to be off by 8 AM Sunday morning, knowing I can rest it for eight hours or whatever. If needed. Yes. If needed. Um, so I put it on the smoker at 6 PM Saturday night. And let me tell you, I wrapped that thing at five and a half hours. It's like 1230 or one o'clock. I was like, it's a little early. And like it, I, I had this smoker at 250 and it was like, it was reading out pretty, pretty consistently at 250. So it wasn't 275, which would have cooked a little bit faster. Um, and then I, was I it a prime? Was it a better cut? Cause I've was, read that those cook faster. Whatever, whatever they, they told me that whatever they normally carry at United, it wasn't anything special. Maybe it was okay. choice. I don't know. Anyways. So one of the other things I did is I, I, reserved the trimmings that I took off the brisket into a foil pan, put that on the smoker with the brisket and then took the rendered fat off and let it cool a little bit and put that on the paper when I wrapped it. So a little extra beef tallow in there instead of having to buy it. Anyways, that thing came off the smoker at three o'clock in the morning. I was like, Ooh, it's too early. (laughs) And I let it cool to 180. I didn't rewrap it, but what I did is I put it in a, a, a large po- a foil, like chafing dish, chafing dish, chafing, chafing. And I put it in the oven and I, I left the, the temperature thermometer probe in it. Um, and then every now and then when it was getting down to like 150, 145 degrees, I turned the oven on to 170 until I preheated and I turned it back off. Mm-hmm. So I held the brisket between 140, 150, like 12 hours. <laughs> But let me tell you, dude, it was sweating it that whole time. It was fantastic. Really? (laughs) It was so good. Um, I I saw, I have like a couple slices left over and I'm not probably not gonna eat it because it's been not like a week and a half now, two weeks almost. Um, it was so good. So the, uh, the wrapping and beef tallow, I, uh, I highly recommend. Now this guy says to use Wagyu beef tallow, which is like he buys it and you you can get off, off Amazon. It's, it's, kind of expensive, but, or you could just make beef tallow or just the four pounds of fat. You just cut off of the brisket right, like, when you trimmed it. You're like, you're already going to be cutting enough of the fat off yes. that you can then render it. Now you will get a lot of like crispy fried pieces of fat that, that don't render and, and some of the meat that you cut off too. That's fine. You just throw that away. Uh, I, I put the rendered beef fat into like a, a large Mason jar. I probably have half of that jar filled with congealed tallow in the fridge right now to reuse on like or something. Um, yeah. On burgers or put it on steak or whatever. Um, but dude, well, let me so ask good. you, let me ask you this. So I, this is really great technique because when I did my brisket after Evie Mays, the, the only thing they did was, um, they spray the, when they wrapped it with the butcher paper, they sprayed it with apple cider vinegar and I didn't do anything. I just wrapped it and I'm really wishing I had cause it kind of stuck to the paper and I just, I think I, that was one of the th- <laughs> three or four things I messed up that day. So when you did the tallow, when you had the, the, the fat, you said you let it render just, you put it in a pan in the smoker and mm-hmm. it just rendered as the brisket was cooking. Yeah. So it was, and did you use that? You, you know, that was, you, you wrapped it. 
with that. So it's not like you had to render it in the house and Mm-mm. no, it was outside. So it wasn't like <sighs> pretty much about extra smoke or smell. That's, that's, um, a, that's next level, man. That's a good idea. And I had to like, he suggests if you're going to do that, you take it off before you're ready to wrap it to, to one strain out all the solids. You don't want to get any like, yeah, but also to let it cool a little bit and to thicken up just so you can like, like you can spread it like, like a almost room, brush it or room something. temperature butter instead of having to pour it and like worrying about like it running. Mm-hmm. but then he, what he did is he put it down on the paper that you're going to put the, the meat side, not, not, not the fat side. Cause you are going to get some of the fat rendering it down from the top down. Um, and then just wrap it up, uh, you know, s- several times and fold it in, make sure. And then he said, it really didn't matter at that point, which side was up or which side was down when you put it back on the smoker, just however, like you fold it, make sure that it, like it's good to go when you grab it to pull it off because there's going to be fat on both sides of the brisket now. It's yeah, like, it didn't really matter how it goes back on, but it's good. So you don't have to go buy beef tallow. Just you do it from your first brisket that you cook this way. You're going to have some extra left over. Uh, put it on, on the butcher paper mm. as you wrap. And like I said, he, good he does um, like he suggests when you are letting it rest down to 180, he will rewrap his brisket, but he will then, reapply the beef tallow mm. to the new paper. Keep that Anyways. moisture in there. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, uh, 12 hour, 12 plus hour rest on, on the brisket we had last weekend. It was way good. I did. Well, that's a pretty good was, technique. It was, uh, the, the really big pepper grind that I, we found at like United, whatever that's too big in kosher salt. Um, I probably sprayed it with water twice. And with water yeah I, I i didn't have like apple cider vinegar or, or some kind of juice so i just i just had a little spray bottle of water hmm. just to keep the the surface from drying out too badly anyway that's a secret ingredient too well so the other thing this guy talks about his name is jeremy yoder mad scientist barbecue his spray is half and half apple cider vi- vinegar and beer oh well but that's the, good the scientist part of it is like the liquids in that mixture evaporate at different temperatures. So it like, it doesn't all boil off with water, the alcohol, the vinegar, whatever it imparts some flavor, but also it remains on longer than one liquid because it, it evaporates at different temperatures. It's like, hmm. Oh man. Yeah. That's next level too. Like I said, his is like trying to find the best techniques through experimentation and science and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Well that sounds right up my alley. Yeah. If I had more time, I would just do, I would do that as well. And mad, money. Mad I had time to barbecue. Yeah. If I had time to cook a $70 brisket every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you, there was some sticker shock when I went to United. I was like, it was $5 a pound. Like, oh my gosh. What are gosh. we talking about? But yeah, it was a, uh, it was like $75 brisket. It was, like I said, really good. All right. That'll do it for us on the 23 personal podcast. I'm Spencer. That's Michael. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. 
Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.